0: Being reasonable now heard on WHUP LP Hillsborough.
1: Being reasonable comes to you from the WHUP studios in downtown Hillsboro, North Carolina.
0: Please fasten your seatbelts.
1: I'm Mark Solomon, and you are taking part in Being Reasonable the weekly conversation show that focuses on how we've arrived on our steadfast views and our desire to know what is true. To participate in this friendly collaboration, all you need is respectfulness and an honest interest in the truth. We can all improve the way we form and consider our beliefs and we can do so by being reasonable.
2: One, two.
1: On this week's show, we first speak with Tali Kentoff, former pharmaceutical sales representative and now a certified master herbalist. She expresses her belief that all pharmaceuticals, including vaccines, are harmful. Next, we speak with former Hillsborough, North Carolina Mayor Tom Stevens as he discusses his belief that not any one religion contains the entire truth. But first up, Tali Kentoff.
3: One of my big beliefs is is that uh, poisons are bad for you and that natural things are good for you. It's pretty much that simple. I believe that uh, all pharmaceuticals, are poisonous, uh, harmful. They do not help to heal the body. I, um, I don't believe in our Western medicine approach, which is 150 years old. So I, I more embrace natural medicine, which has been around for 10,000 years.
1: So all pharmaceutical medications are poison and all natural medications are medications we should be gravitating to. Is, did I summarize your belief correctly?
3: Yes, that's correct. The old way is the way that we should be uh, approaching uh, healing and health.
1: So, on a scale from one to seven, say how confident are you in that your belief is true?
3: I, I would say I'm very confident. Um, I, I'm gonna give myself a six or seven okay. on uh, on that belief scale. Uh-huh. I have been on both sides. So I'm not just speaking on one side. Right, And um, I am very evidence-based. So I have seen it in practice. I have healed myself completely of three autoimmune diseases. Okay. And I have helped others also uh, get off pharmaceuticals and uh, to find uh, better health and wellness uh, through plant-based medicine. And uh, I'm a former pharmaceutical sales representative. Okay. I used to be very entrenched in the system. I used to believe in the products that I sold. And I myself, uh, my health was deteriorating and I was relatively young, okay. but I felt about 86 years old and, uh, visited over 20 different doctors. Um, I. I I even have a hard time calling them doctors because we think of doctors as healers. Um, So I went to to 20 different white coats and uh, the white coats told me that uh, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me, but continued to just prescribe different medications and prescriptions Mm -hmm. for me. So I went from eight different uh, pharmaceutical uh, poisons to not taking any poisons at all. And detoxing my body and healing myself.
1: So, how do you know that your belief is true?
3: Because I've researched it. Um, I have, I I'm dig. I, I have gone deep, and I've researched the clinical studies that are actually out there. Okay. Uh, there's a book, for example, called Miller's Review. Uh, It contains a lot of information. It actually contains uh, 400 uh, peer-reviewed studies on the lack of safety and efficacy of vaccines. And then it also contains the truth. Uh, Things, for example, uh, such as vitamin A at high doses will actually reduce any symptoms of the measles. Uh, When you get measles naturally... Uh, uh, You have lifetime immunity from the measles. A vaccine can't do that. And not only that, but it also protects your cardiovascular system from heart disease and from certain types of cancer. And so I believe that there are some illnesses, some childhood illnesses that help to support our immune system. And that are, are, are kind of parts of rights to passage that when we do get them, just like uh, when we get some sort of a cold or flu or exposed to a virus, uh, this strengthens our immune system. These are things that need to happen as opposed to just slathering your hands with antibacterial soap and not allowing your body to develop a, a proper and well-established gut microbiome because the, the gut microbiome is what keeps us, us healthy.
1: So I'm just a little confused. So my understanding is that most of the peer-reviewed research suggests that vaccines are good and safe, and they work. And you're saying that the peer-reviewed research does not say that. Is that correct?
3: I'm saying that the the research that's out there uh, from the CDC, uh, the num- the numbers are skewed. Um, I know that this is that this is done. Um, anybody how, how, how are they?
1: How are they skewed? Just, just numbers to...
3: were skewed, and the information, the 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 truth about this was is is in the movie Vaxxed. So I encourage everybody to to take the the time to educate yourself and watch this movie and fully understand who William Thompson is and uh, his role in the CDC and how he was a very significant whistleblower and coming forward and sharing information about the link between autism and vaccines and the MMR. Um, Vax2 also shows uh, the difference between vaccinated children and unvaccinated children. I think the proof is right there that unvaccinated children are a lot healthier. And we're talking about things, not just autism, but we're talking about um, allergies and ear infections and, and uh Immune system, immune function, a lot of things, a a lot of different things that you know we say in our society. Oh, my child's healthy, but the truth is they're they're not. Uh, If they have gut issues, if they have chronic ear infections and respiratory infections, and ADHD, these are not signs of good health. And you look at the unvaccinated children, and you see that they don't have these issues to the to the same extent. That uh the 54% of children today have these these issues.
1: I don't know too much about the subject, and so getting rid of the segment, I kind of read the latest in the research on vaccines and things like that. And you're telling me things that I'm not reading. And so it seems like we're definitely getting our information from different places.
3: Right. So so if I if I'm buying, if I'm gonna take a, a drug, let's say, from a pharmaceutical company. And the pharmaceutical company provides me with the study and says, oh, there's a 99.9% chance that this is going to work for you. Well, the pharmaceutical company is the one that funded that study. So they have a vested interest in this, this drug to have a, um, they have a vested interest to sell this drug for me to take it. So if I don't take this drug, then they're going to lose money. If I don't believe in their study, I'm, I'm, you know, they're going to lose money. And so they're going to make sure that the study that they publish, which they paid millions and millions for, is going to have the right numbers or the right outcomes so that they can sell the study and sell their drug. Well, I,
1: understand. So- I understand. And so because this is kind of the theme of the show, I try to kind of drill down quickly to the manner we how we form beliefs as opposed to the beliefs themselves. And so I'm trying to understand because yeah. the things that you're telling me those aren't the things I was reading preparing for the segment what I was reading preparing for the segment was pretty much the, uh, the opposite of what you're what you're saying right. um and, it depends and, on
3: the source so if you are getting Right your so, information how, from
1: so how so how do CVC, we just
3: how,
1: how is your source more reliable than another person's source help, help me there
3: I'm going to look at a source that doesn't have a vested interest. So the CDC is getting payouts from big pharma um, and uh, the the vaccine industry. So uh, I'm not I'm not going to trust as a critical thinker as somebody who says, hey, wait a second. The CDC is pushing vaccines. Hmm, They have studies out on uh, on vaccine safety and efficacy. And yet. They do not have any placebo-controlled studies. We're talking that there are no randomized, inert, placebo-controlled studies comparing vaccinated versus unvaccinated. And if, if you don't, I mean, this is like ninth grade science project stuff. If you remember, if you go back to ninth grade and you, you remember submitting your science project, and if you did not have a, a control group, if you did not have your placebo-controlled group, then you would be disqualified
1: from entering the science fair
3: you okay, would can so, so like F on your project so in this case so, you,
1: in this case you're you're saying that some of the science is based on not well uh, controlled studies and right. not double blind studies in
0: science
1: if and i'm not saying this is the case if someone presented you with a study that says hey here's a double blind controlled study and this is how we rooted out the different biases here and here And these studies have been replicated, and there's a meta-analysis. And if someone could show you that, would you change your mind? Or
3: I want to see an inert placebo-controlled study. And by inert placebo, I mean that the placebo arm should be saline solution. And then the other arm should be the vaccine. That way, you can compare the efficacy and safety. So, so, so but currently, but the if, placebo if, arm.
1: If they did that, I'm just, I'm just. This is a hypothetical. If they did that to your sufficient thoughts of how a study should be run, if they did that and it came out that vaccines are efficacious and they're safe, would you change your mind then, or would that not I would change be, your mind?
3: I, would need more proof i mean there's a lot of other information uh such i w- i would like to know the um number one the vaccine schedule i don't know if you're aware but uh back in the day in the 80s we got about 16 vaccines and currently on the um the man you know what the cdc schedule right now is dictating is 73 vaccines so there's a big difference in the amount of vaccines so when people say well vaccines are safe i was vaccinated and i'm fine we're talking about two different groups, so um, you know you have to also look at the vaccine schedule. Another thing, so see, if, if, I, I need- think, that,
1: if that was incorporated with the with the vaccine schedule and with the seventy three vaccines, in addition to what we talked about. So let's say we talked about we we ran a study to your sufficient expectations, and there were studies that incorporated uh, vaccine schedule and the number of vaccines, and if. Th- those studies came out that vaccines were safe and efficacious would you change your mind then or would you still have some issues
3: i would still have some issues because i have questions about the adjuvants that are in vaccines i want to know uh you know my critical thinking brain is thinking well uh, injecting aluminum into the bloodstream uh, cannot be uh, something that, that is going to heal the body uh, when you have things like formaldehyde, polysorbate 80, mercury, cell, uh, you have fetal embryo parts. So and let's, keep, DNA- let's keep,
1: let's, but we can keep going. Let's say that there's studies that show formaldehyde and mercury at much lower levels than occur in the natural environment or in other foods or whatever it is that would be up to your sufficient explanation. Would we be able to get to a point? where you would be okay with vaccines or do you think that we would just never be able to get there?
3: Well, here's another point that, again, I'm a critical thinker, so I ask questions. Um, due to an act that was passed, in, it was a, a, a ruling in 1986, Ronald Reagan passed this law that uh, as far as uh, vaccines are concerned, you cannot sue the pharmaceutical company for damage. So, uh, you know, again, as a critical thinker, I have to ask myself, well, if there are injuries that are related to vaccines, if a child, if somebody dies as a result of a flu shot, of an MMR, of a DTAP, whatever the case might be, you cannot sue for damage. Uh, and yet there's a, a separate uh, uh, court system that is reserved for vaccine injure, injured children. The money actually comes from us because there's a tax that's placed on each one of these vaccines. It's like a quarter every time that you get a vaccine, it goes toward this pot. And um, there billions and billions of dollars have been paid out to people uh, because of vaccine deaths and injuries. And so I,
1: I, I guess something- I guess where I'm getting at, I'm trying to see if we could ever get to a point where you would say I would consider, for example, the use of vaccines and That'll so, never happen. And so, well, that's what I'm that's what I'm hearing. It'll never and happen. so if that's the case, you're telling me that your position in your mind can never be shown as false, and my question to you is: Should we believe in something that can't be shown as false?
3: Well, we can't. We can't believe in something that's shown as true, as far as the, the safety and efficacy of vaccines, or it's junk science. Uh, when when you look at how the immune system works, it doesn't. It, it doesn't make sense. It's not just about antibodies. I'm not speaking as somebody who is ignorant and who hasn't done their research. I'm talking mm-hmm. about. I'm speaking from somebody who's come again from both sides as a as a former pharmaceutical sales representative. I understand how that system works. I understand marketing tactics and the propaganda that's being utilized and the fear mongering that's happening uh, and and how big pharma also is running our media. Uh, and owns our media. And, uh, you know, having now studied herbal medicine and understanding the importance of actually boosting your own immune system function naturally, uh, then you can can protect yourself from harmful illnesses by putting good things in you.
1: You know, you mentioned that you're engaging in critical thinking. I would hope to think that what is involved in critical thinking is the ability to change your mind when other evidence presents itself and i'm not saying to change your mind i'm saying that it sounds like that there is nothing anybody could tell you that would that would convince you that your position is not correct and, well, I, it, and I is, I I'm saying, that, is, it, is it useful having a belief that can't be shown to you that's not correct? Because right, so
3: I, I can give you the list as I as I mentioned as I mentioned earlier. I can give you the list of things that I would need to see. Number one is a very large population, as you said, also a meta-analysis that's comparing vaccinated children versus unvaccinated children. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be the inert placebo-controlled randomized study. Mm-hmm. That would be one. Two, I would like to see how all the adjuvants that are in the vaccines have some form of benefit to the body. And if they're not just a benefit, show how they're not a risk. So taking each of these adjuvants and testing their effects in the body separately, and then also taking the adjuvants and comparing them collectively together to an inert placebo, uh, placebo such as saline solution. So that right there, that's that, that that's very big. I want to know what What are the effects of uh, injecting fetal embryo parts into uh, into a blood into the bloodstream
1: so so, so Tali, if if your belief was incorrect, how would you how would you know it? How would you be able to know it how How would you be able to find that out if your belief was in, incorrect
3: how, how my belief was incorrect
1: If I, your belief was incorrect, how would you be able to find that out?
3: Well, I would just look around society and I would think that Americans would be the healthiest people in the world. And yet we fall toward the bottom of the scale when you're looking across the world where the most vaccinated and most pharmaceutical um, uh, We take more pharmaceuticals and more vaccines than any country in the world. And yet we are the sickest. So, I mean, again, I'm a critical thinker and I'm just looking around and I don't see healthy people around me. And yet the people that I know that are out of the system, who are not uh, taking, uh, you know, five to eight pharmaceuticals, antidepressants, injecting themselves with flu vaccines, uh, getting getting va- uh, other other uh, things from Western medicine, I noticed that these people are very healthy. They eat well. They're very conscious. Uh, they um, they uh, practice uh, holistic. Approaches to health and wellness, and they they look and feel well. So that uh, confirms, I feel, my belief system. I again, I'm. It's like I like the science experiment. Experiment is evident everywhere that you look.
1: Let, let me put it this way: so the things I believe in should be at risk of being false for my beliefs to have any value. Beliefs that can't be shown to be false could be literally any belief like we were created by spacemen from Neptune. You understand what I'm saying?
3: I'm open-minded to anything.
1: Because we're trying to t- talk about the ways we can use to distinguish true beliefs from false beliefs, right?
3: Mm-hmm. So even personally, I can tell you that uh, when in 2015, when I was taking eight pharmaceuticals, um, I can tell you that um, then I did not feel well. Um, my liver enzymes were off. My blood white blood cell counts were off. My red blood cell counts were off. I had chronic fatigue. I had a lot of issues. Um, I also found out during that time that I had a medical device that was full of mold, toxic black mold, and had been leaking through my system. So, again, this, these were things from Western medicine. The eight pharmaceuticals did not help me. They did not heal me. Um, I was being uh, poisoned by a medical device. Mm -hmm. And yet when I moved away, when the medical device was removed, when I stopped taking the eight pharmaceuticals, my body started to get better. So I did not need the pharmaceutical system to get me better. And their eight pharmaceuticals did not help or improve my health. And I noticed that the further that I removed myself from Western medicine, and industrialization. And I got myself closer to nature. My body innately healed itself because we are part of the animal world and our bodies need nature in order to heal. So it was herbal medicine and it was reducing stress. It was getting in touch with nature, going out hiking. It was moving my entire life and, and, uh, from, um, uh, South Florida to Colorado in order to heal. So I took some drastic measures in, uh, in my healing as a result of my belief system. And at the time, I can't say that I, I totally thought, you know, this is going to work a hundred percent. And yet at this point, now we've moved four years, almost five years from, from that moment. And I can tell you that in my own personal science experiment the five years, uh, that, uh, I don't I don't need antibiotics. I found ways to combat um, any type of anti. Uh, there are tons of med, uh, herbal solutions out there that are antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal, antimicrobial. So, is, is personal uh,
1: you, is personal experience a reliable way to know if something is true?
3: It is my personal belief. So uh, that is how I form my personal beliefs. Yes, trial and error. That's how we learn is through experience.
1: Is that a reliable way to know if something is true?
3: I'm one person. uh, That is, you know, that is my story. And yet again, I I believe in fact and evidence-based information. And so when I study uh, pharmaceuticals and how they are metabolized in the body and how they mask symptoms, so... Um, they're kind of shutting off the the symptoms, so you're like, oh, I guess I'm getting, I guess I'm getting better because I don't feel that symptom anymore. And yet, it's creating other issues in the body because you're, it's a synthetic substance, and as it as it is getting metabolized in your body and processed through your liver uh, through the metabolic pathways, it it, it can crowd that pathway. And people are more susceptible to toxins because not everybody, it's not a one, it can't be a one size fits all. Not everybody can process toxins the same, people process toxins differently. And so if you have a genetic mutation like MTHFR, you have some sort of methylation issues, your, your, your toxic levels are going to accumulate more rapidly in your body. And as a result, this will lead to chronic illness. So... Part of my belief system is that these toxins are causing this chronic illness in our society.
1: Is it possible to believe in something and to believe that you are following a path that is helping you and that belief is helping you yet that belief not be true?
3: So are you saying that this is possibly a placebo effect or that the... the
1: Is it possible to believe in something and derive benefit from that belief, generally speaking, and that belief not be true?
3: Well, there is such a thing as a placebo effect. And the placebo effect, however, is based on the fact that we have more control over our bodies consciously through our mind. So positive thinking, gratitude... Uh, Connecting with nature, being spiritual, all of these things rewire our brains in a way that has a positive effect on our bodies. It it actually uh, stimulates cells. It helps your body to detoxify. So, So positive thinking definitely has an effect. That can be the same effect uh, when you take poisons. You could keep telling yourself, you know, this is going to heal me and so forth. And that's why we do see a, a placebo effect that happens when people take some pharmaceuticals. But this is knowledge. I, I'm. I, it's not just a belief. It's knowledge. It's information.
1: You are listening to Being Reasonable and WHUP. Former Hillsboro, North Carolina mayor Tom Stevens discusses his belief that not any one religion contains the entire truth. Coming up after this short break.
4: My life, I've I've had a spiritual interest, and I think I have come to the point—actually, pretty arrived pretty early—that any religion probably is not contain the entire truth. So, I believe uh, there are many different ways to come to uh, a spiritual understanding uh, in the world or, or understanding of truth and beliefs. So, your
1: belief is that not one religion contains the truth or contains the ultimate answers. That's correct. And I like to ask my guests two questions. On a scale from one to seven, how confident are you in that your belief is true? Uh, My confidence
4: level is pretty high, six. Um, There's part of always a reservation that, you know, nobody has the answer, including me.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's part of the tenant. And on a scale from one to seven, how important is it to you
4: in believing in things that are true or real? Uh, I would say very important. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll give that five, six, or seven, because uh, a lot of that is contextual. Um, And I would say somewhat pragmatic. So, uh, for example, um, I I believe having a religion or uh, ascribing to a religion is is probably a very good thing for uh, lots of different people. But it can certainly be misused on a low level. Not believing there at the earth flat is you know just probably um incorrect and uh it's not useful if we're educating kids, for example, how do you know your belief is true? well I think a lot of it is 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 through lifelong study and uh and a lot of sometimes the study is of uh, how do you believe about beliefs and so part of my background is is in psychology uh, I certainly had a interest in religion as a as an early uh a young person, uh, I think I wrote my high school paper on uh, that uh, a lot of religions, you know, were, we're basically talking about the same thing about one God. Uh, then, life experiences, um, uh, somewhat as a social worker and a therapist, um, and coming into um, conversations with other people about what their beliefs are, about the, what their lives are, what the impact of that is, having my own beliefs, you know, there's a lot of self searching. Uh, that happens. Um, and uh, um, yeah, I'd I mean, I just say a lot of life experiences and uh, a strong uh, search for, you know, what is the truth and what do you really believe? Uh, and, and I'll talk about one particular um, experience that um, I've gone through. Um, my first wife, um, we were married. For nine years, and she passed away from cancer, mm. uh, and at a pretty young age, you know mm. she's thirty three. I'm thirty four. Mm-hmm. And um, when you're looking at issues of life and death, that's when you start thinking like, what do you really believe? Yeah. Uh, what happens to us? <laughs> what? Right. Uh, what is your spiritual path? So uh, that was a that was something that was in many ways, I want to say, self informative. Uh, and you claim those gifts because it sure was a difficult thing to go through at the time.
1: Your belief that not any one religion is correct has evolved over time. It seems like it's based on personal experience, and it seems like that the personal experiences that have most formed this belief is some
4: major life events that form this belief. Yes, and... um, uh, uh, personal experiences along with study. So, certainly study, you know, took classes in philosophy, um, have looked at um, comparative religion, you Mm -hmm. know, always read in different, um, I would say genres, studying history. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can we imagine uh, 2,000 years from now, um, most of our written record from this day and age has been obliterated. Somebody's looking at the the few remaining videos that we have of, let's say, President Trump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, what would people know about this area based on uh, just a few videos? Well, that's some of the logic about, you know, what do we know about ancient cultures, about ancient religions, about uh, our own, the basis of our own, whether it's Christianity or Buddhism or anything else, sometimes they're very text-based. You know, the, Certainly uh, Islam is very text-based, Christianity, mm-hmm. Judaism. And so, um, realize the the failings of humans to uh, necessarily um, you know have the entire picture. Uh, science is replete with this uh, of you know as we've evolved over over the years. And again, as a psychologist and as an artist, uh, that realizing you know our perceptions can get really distorted compared to uh, context. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at there's an optical illusion as an artist that you can look at a checkerboard and you see it has light squares and dark squares Mm -hmm. and you can move two squares together based on some shadows and you Mm -hmm. realize they're exactly the same color Right. uh, and in real objective, um, measurements. But, uh, when you look at them, one looks like the light square and one looks like the dark square. Right. Uh, that's what happens as part of our human nature. And so, um, so that's part of It's realizing that's what human nature is like. And two, if you're looking for the truth, what you look for is counterexamples. Uh, we tend to go for confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, what what would what would something different be like? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's I I think that's how I tend to approach my life, and both in my everyday pragmatic work, and also in my uh, my own personal journey about you know what's my place in the world.
1: Okay. I I think I get a better sense of uh, the belief you're bringing to the table. The belief that no one religion has all the answers. Is this belief more centered around religion has all the answers, or is it closer to the perspective of all religions have
4: the same answer? You know what I mean? Yeah, isn't that a paradox? um maybe both um that um i i think there's uh grains of truth um uh, maybe great truths in uh most of the major religions and this is why they're in they're enduring and and probably lots of other beliefs as well uh to capture that their objective reality, um, that can actually be a problem. And I think that's what leads to some of the, the evils that happens in the name of religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the seeds of many of these religions or philosophical uh, branches, um, that is expressed in the Tao Te Ching. The very opening lines: uh, "The Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name." Mm-hmm. The trying to express uh, what is really bigger than human minds are capable of really understanding mm-hmm. uh, means that we're only seeing a part of it. You know, think of the story of the blind man and the elephant. Yeah, uh, and so and, and and of course, to repeat that story, you've got. Somebody looking at the side, here's a wall. Somebody looking at the leg, here's mm-hmm. a tree. Somebody looking at the trunk, here's a snake, and they're arguing over which one is right. Well, there's a there's they were all right, but they're all uh incomplete. Okay. And so, uh religions in many ways uh, the expression I like to use sometimes is the the map is not the territory. Uh so you can have a very useful mm-hmm. map. I see. Uh but don't confuse it being the territory. <laughs> Let me ask you this then. It seems that you're
1: saying that all religions have a piece of the truth that they might be touching different parts of the elephant, so to speak, Mm -hmm. but they all are getting at something that is true and real. Yes. Let's say George, and George is sitting next to you. And George says, while you believe that all religions are true in some sense, that they have are gravitating towards, and that, it, and that reflects something that is says something about the world. Mm-hmm. George says, well, I believe that none of the religions do that. To really understand how the world is, or what's true and real, that religion should be jettisoned. First, what do you think about what George says? And also, how could we rectify what you believe and
4: what George believes? Um, I don't see those things as necessarily compatible, and this is part of being able to to hold almost opposite things in your head at the same time. Okay, and so, um, I think I mean, at one level, all religions are wrong. Okay, um, and so one can have a a reasonable point of view, that they're wrong, maybe we should jettison them, these things, Um, and so much of these religions often say something about the human spirit that feeds the very best of humanity, and I think that's also true. Uh, And so I think that's what, as human beings, we try to navigate uh, those differences. I'm I'm recalling uh, I had a chance to listen to your show uh, a little bit <laughs> previously and Sorry about I that. remember you had one guest who similar to George had a, an answer like what would be the world be like if you know there somebody who didn't believe in God and yes. everybody would mm-hmm. be like mm-hmm. and you know come to mind that's what John Lennon's song Imagine is, is exactly is uh, and so that's an, that would be an interesting world yeah uh, and so. I, th- I think with respectfulness we can have some conversations but a lot of times we're what we're talking about is different sides of the elephant you know which are the parts that work for us and which are the parts that don't uh, even when we're talking about yes you know we should jettison religions versus you know no they really we should really embrace them
1: when religions are speaking about the same things, what is it that they're speaking about that is the same and when no religion is able to explain, well, what is it about the religion that is not explaining all these religions that is not explaining what is true and real? I'm trying to understand to hold two of those beliefs in your mind at the same time. I'm trying to see how that works for you. You understand?
4: Well, that's why we're having a conversation. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. so. Um, kind of what comes to mind I don't want to trivialize religion or some of the sort of deeper just trying to figure out what's the nature of reality and truth. Mm-hmm. And, um but um there's this I find it somewhat delightful. Um there's stories going around the internet like how do you deal with telling kids about Santa Claus? You okay. know Santa Claus real. Right. And uh the story, you know, somebody well one kids 6 or 7 um and you know, of age, mm-hmm. and um, they asked, "Is Santa Claus real?" Right. And the parents says, "Well, let's go have a let's go have a conversation." And they have this little conversation, and they said, "Well, I, I need it. You're old enough now. You can know the truth. Santa Claus is real," <laughs> and okay. and and says, uh, "But he is not a this guy who's dressed up in a beard. Santa is not somebody else. It's actually the spirit of giving," and. Uh, when you know this, you become Santa. And so this is, this is something uh, when you're old enough to hold this. And, so, and then you have a conversation about how do you give, and now you have younger brothers and sisters, and you've got to help now, wrap the presents and get the spirit of giving. And when you see a neighbor who or uh, somebody uh, in the community who needs help, you're developing this notion that we become Santa. Well, that story is true. I mean that's 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 real that feeds the human spirit. Uh I love that 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 notion. I I can understand somebody saying, well no, that's just a it's a falsehood, you know, Santa Claus is not real. Mm-hmm. Uh, and dismissing this, I think as a humans we're richer um because we have this Santa story. Uh if um we have Folks who are going around, who are trying to do public policy based on um, a guy who lives in the North Pole, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. sort of the story, mm-hmm. you, you can imagine that you start bending reality. The way maybe somebody who believes in a flat Earth, mm-hmm. uh, I can respect somebody having that belief, but you know, at a certain point, they you know, it's just not. You know, helpful maybe as a way without saying it is wrong. Yeah, Santa as an objective human being, you know, does not exist. Santa as a manifestation of the human spirit is 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 very real. Um, In some ways, in many ways, uh, religions, whether monotheistic, polytheistic, uh, deep philosophies, serve to enrich the human spirit. Uh, they have also created stories that have been used uh, quite um, really for, frankly, evil purposes in um, mm-hmm. the name of that religion. And that's what I think we wrestle with as, as humanity. It's interesting because you're
1: saying that you're moving a being, something that exists in a reality, more to a concept of mm-hmm. what that is. Being represents yeah. in the case of Santa Claus, that being of Santa Claus, which uh, I don't think kids listen to the show, so I don't. I think, think we're safe. I made
4: I made a judgment there. <laughs>
1: Santa Claus. Now, when we talk about religion, I would imagine, and I don't know if I have evidence for this, but I'm thinking it's a premise. But my assumption is is that most people who believe in a religion. Mm -hmm. For example, since we're talking about Santa Claus, most people who believe in, let's say, Jesus, Mm -hmm. would believe in Jesus as a God, a literal God, Mm -hmm. and not the concept of what Jesus represents, which would be love and brotherhood and all the good things that are associated with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't that... Beg the question that
4: we would need to decide what we're talking about. It's complicated. Yes, I mean so. And again, not to trivialize or be disrespectful to 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 anybody, but we're all in different stages of development, uh, not only physiologically but spiritually and emotionally, and um. And so, how do we respect each other and yet bring each other to the truth, uh, or to a truth, or live well together? Mm-hmm. And so, I I think sometimes this almost um, when I say fundamentalist view uh, can can serve people. You know, at a at a certain point, the the way they believe in Santa I don't again not to trivialize it, but you know you. You no, know, it's very cool as a kid. <laughs> you know what? A, what a magical, wonderful world <laughs> it is. Um, Ken, when when my first wife died, mm-hmm. um, that's a time of spiritual crisis, sure. uh, as you can imagine. What's for her was for me. Yeah, and um, we start thinking about what, like, what do you do? We do we go on after mm-hmm. our bodies die? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you really believe? And so, two things I would say: you know, she was really searching mm-hmm. and uh, had gotten involved with a number of different churches, and there were people who were volunteering. And I remember some people who were very, who were trying to be very helpful and bring food and helpful. And uh, I'm trained as a as a clinical social worker, mm-hmm. you know, and one of my trainings is in clinical hypnosis. You know, and so I had uh, somebody who came in with their beliefs and sit down and said, brother, may I talk to you? You know, he's coming from a very strong, his Christian beliefs. And mm-hmm. he says, these books about hypnosis are the work of the devil. Mm. Um and, and, you know, and he's trying to be respectful. I, uh, I think it's n- absolute nonsense. But I also want to be respectful. I mean, he's, you know, he's. And, you know, I'm saying thank you for sharing this. Uh, that's not what I believe. And, you know, we had a very respectful conversation, and I still have those books. Right. Um, there were people who were helping who I knew were very uh, – one person in particular I know was just really wounded. And without her spiritual belief, just she had been through so much abusive situations that yeah. she was out in the world and working – Last thing I'd want to do is take that belief away from her. She that was really mm-hmm. supported her. Mm-hmm. Um and and yet there's other people who are also helpful who have a much more um uh symbolic view of of mm-hmm. spirituality, uh, who believed in a being and it's going to be here and it's gonna be helpful to you. And then there's this, you know, other level of we um not sure what, you know, whether there's a God or what, but there's a spiritual force or something that there's, you know, there's a sense of love uh, in the world uh, or in the universe. Uh, right. All those things are different in different contexts. And so um, I guess I've had a good enough life that I can explore those intellectually and and certainly emotionally and uh, in the context. So, so I want to be respectful of different people at different levels. Uh, at the same time, there are things that— you know we need to uh sort of call out and and uh try to try to manage about what's true, just like this guy thought you know I was bringing the devil into my house, he was mm-hmm. doing what he thought was right um uh if given too much power, that could create really real problems in the world and so as a public policy person i would I would wanna um uh, resist that yeah uh, so um uh, so i so said there the edges mark, are so soft. They're blurry. Yeah. You know, they're and, and that's part of what this whole notion of um the what we can say with our words, you know, always tries to define the word the world into, you know, binary, you know, it exists, it doesn't exist, it's true, it's not true, and yet mm-hmm. there's often multiple levels depending on which angle you're looking at it. And that's what I think some of the, the great searching about um uh, what's more deeply true. Sure. Uh, is about,
1: and, and I think I get that. In the beginning of our conversation, you said that when I asked you how important is it in believing things that are true, I think you were pretty high up there, like mm-hmm. a seven. Mm-hmm. And I think we're kind of at the point of our conversation where we're talking about beliefs that, although might not be true, they seem like they're... Are useful. Yes. They're helping somebody. Yes. Should we have beliefs that are helpful to us
4: that are not true? Well, yes. Um, I I don't think we can help but do that because to a certain degree, this is maybe the ultimate belief, or maybe my understanding, is that we, we can't see it all. Uh, I like to say of myself sometimes, uh, the greater my island of knowledge, the longer my coastline of ignorance. Um, you know, we recognize that we can't see every perspective, and uh, but we have to have something. We have to have something uh, to guide us.
1: The initial belief that we discussed about religions having a commonality— um, that and that no religion is completely correct. If I'm not saying this is the case, if this belief was
4: not correct, would you want to know it? Um, I would say yes. Uh, I think my my principle is that I, I I kind of want to know what the the truth is it's probably good to know that there isn't a guy who lives at the North Pole <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and see is this is a story that enriches us uh, or not enriches us that maybe is a story we need to let go. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yes, um, that said, I think some of those things do fall in the realm of things that are unknowable uh, as human beings. And so, um, which is why um, we, it's important to have this perspective of, of humbleness that, you know, there are things that we don't know mm-hmm. and that don't have all the answers and be really careful about imposing, you know, those beliefs on others.
1: From the WHUP studios in downtown Hillsboro, North Carolina, I'm Mark Solomon, and you've just listened to another episode of Being Reasonable questions, thoughts, connect with us at beingreasonableshow.com. See you next week. up. So. 104.7 F.